Families come in all sizes, shapes, some are quiet, some are noisy, and we love them all, don't we? And so today is family day and we celebrate the family and I thought it was really important to get to know our family here at the center a little bit better and I hope you've done that this morning a little bit all so far. And you know family to a child can sometimes be a little bit different than family to us from our perspective as, as adults. Uh, family is the nuclear family, it's the, 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 the grown-ups, the older adults that raise us. Uh, we consider to be our family. might be our mother and father, but it might not be, and, and that's okay. The important thing is that there is somebody there uh, to love us, to guide us, and to bring us to that point of maturity, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, so that we can then go out into the world knowing the highest truth of who and what we are, and to be that light of oneness in the world, and to let it shine, and to pass that message on. And didn't we see Saskia do that so beautifully as a 16-year-old girl who is taking what she has learned, what she has realized and embodied, and now takes it out into the world in her work as co-director, working with our spirit tweens, and I can tell you uh, that she takes this out with her wherever she goes and all the many school projects that she has as well. So it's quite amazing and wonderful. But I would like to take this moment now to invite someone who is also a part of our center family who has played an important role in the governance of our center because he has sat on our board of trustees for a number of years and I'm going I'm going to invite John Dixon to come up again I think he's prepared this time though to share his best science of mind story ever and you want a microphone thank you Connie Unlike Elizabeth, Connie did give me a little bit of notice. (laughs) So, sometimes I yearn to be one of those people who, you know, you take a class, you learn the lesson, and then you just apply it. Um, I don't tend to be one of those people. Uh, And I thought I'd talk about uh, my journey in meditation because I really... The first time I did meditation was with Silva Mind Control in the 70s and uh, really found it was, felt great, but I didn't continue. And then in the 80s, I spent a couple of years studying uh, 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 Raja Yoga and uh, with Paramahansa Yogananda's uh, teachings. And part of that was meditation, and I really tried hard to do that, and I always felt good when I did my meditation. But I didn't stick at it because it was really sort of like my experience with playing a guitar, you know. (laughs) I liked it, but not quite enough. So my journey continued on, and uh, of course I discovered this teaching, and uh, that was great, but uh, I have this sort of dual life when I live in Edmonton. I'm an organizational development uh, person. When I uh, work overseas, I work with the uh, International Committee of the Red Cross, which is the piece of the Red Cross that works in zones of conflict. And in, 19, in, sorry, in 2003, I was working in Gaza Strip for about a year, and 2003 was a busy year in Gaza. Uh, which is always a pretty active place anyway. And, uh, you know, those drone planes that are starting to 
survey the border well uh, yeah we had them there uh, in 2003 uh, we had a, a vehicle that was uh, uh, bombed by the Israelis you know with a, a rocket uh, just down the block from our office and uh, of course everybody's about to run out and then we're going don't run out don't run out because of course there might be the second rocket in case the first one didn't work and uh, so uh, you know the and uh, we had a, a Sheikh Yassin the spiritual founder leader of the uh, uh, Hamas was uh, killed with a rocket uh, when he came out of morning prayer at five o'clock in the morning just about 400 yards from my bedroom and uh, you know waking up with the big bang like that so it was it was a really busy place and uh, there was lots of stress and uh, I wasn't sleeping uh, and that was a real problem and of course they always give you sleeping pills uh, when in your little you know sort of in your little kit but I've never really been much of a believer in sleeping pills so I knew I had the tools I'd started a couple of times already before and I started meditating and it was really amazing because when I started meditating uh, it was like a movie that was in fast <laughs> mode just everything was going zzzz. Uh, but I kept at it and uh, I didn't think my meditations were that profound or that deep but I was sleeping and uh, and it got better so my conclusion is that I don't live without meditation anymore uh, even when I'm not in uh, odd addresses uh, and uh, I hope that uh, you don't have to go through quite what I went through to uh, discover the the wonders and the pleasure of meditation it's one of the pillars of this teaching and uh, a huge opportunity for growth and peace of mind. Over to you, Colin. Keep it. Hang on. Thank you. So, I learned some things I didn't know about John. And so, I would ask those of you who knew John before today to please stand up. some members of our community, members of your extended family. And so now, who knows John a little bit better now? Please stand up. And so, John, you have just tripled your circle of support and love. Thank you. Embrace it, know it, and enjoy. Thank you. So we've seen a little bit come full circle of how we go from children through our teen years and become fully mature adults able to go into some really difficult situations and take this teaching, take what we learn here, take the spiritual practice with us and transform our own life. But how does that happen? And I think that what I need to remember on this family day and family day weekend is, is really about expanding my idea of what family is. And yes, that close-knit family is important to a child, but of course as we go through life, 
our family is a fluid thing and it changes. I know mine has changed many times. I, I lived on the East Coast when I was little and all my extended family lived here in Alberta. And so I was quite happy having a mom, a dad and a sister and then another sister and, and thought that, you know, family was great. I remember when my son was um, sworn into the military and my dad had been in the military too and I had lived on bases and I sort of had an idea of what military was like from a child's perspective. And when my son was enlisted and there was, you know, a few higher ranking officers there to perform this swearing in ceremony and whatnot and, and maybe they could see just that look of longing on my face knowing that the next day he was going to be getting on an airplane and flying off somewhere else to basic training. And the sadness in me of of him leaving and knowing that he wasn't going to be living at home for a long time, if ever. And, you know, someone, you know, a higher ranking officer walks up and says, well, the military's his family now, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I remembered, sadly, that that would be the case. And then I remembered a little bit more happily. I remembered some of the joyful moments I had uh, living on the base and uh, having tons of friends because there were tons of kids all over the place. And I remember the neighbors that we had. They were really good neighbors. They helped us out. My mom didn't drive and there were times when I had to go to the doctor or when I had my tonsils out at the hospital and my dad was, you know, you know, out of town, out of the province. And, and, and the families around us just sort of picked up and helped fill in some of the gaps for our family. And I know how we went to school. And I know that my mom was a brown owl. And so-and-so's mom was a guide leader. And, you know, that mom came and helped at school. And, you know, I realized that, yes, family isn't just our mom and dad and our brothers and our sisters, our family extends beyond um, just that. And as we grow and, and people leave our family, whether they move away, whether they pass away, uh, whether we move away and start a new family that then changes through death, through divorce, separation, and kids growing up and moving away, That close family is a very fluid thing and it changes many times in our lifetime. But I'm always um, struck by how many families I have. I feel like I have a family here at the center and that some of them were joining me up here on the stage and and all of you out there. And I have a family at work. And, uh, you know, I've had you know, teams and groups and committees and all kinds of things. And I was watching American Idol the other night and and watching these um, contestants as they group themselves to do their group performance. And someone said, oh, it feels like family. And I know that sometimes families aren't always the most pleasant places to be because sometimes they help us and show us our best. And sometimes in doing that, we discover are not so best when we're with them. So what is it? How must we be with our children to bring them through to that point of emotional, physical, and spiritual maturity so that they can go out into the world? Well, it takes patience, it takes simplicity, and it takes compassion. It takes patience with each other because we're not all manifesting ourselves so perfectly that we don't make mistakes 
and hurt people and hurt ourselves. And we need to be patient with ourselves and with others in this world. Simplicity, to remember who we are. Because at our most basic, we've been given everything we need. All the abundance, all the health, all the stuff that we need to live a happy, joyful, loving life. And sometimes when we forget that, when we get bogged down in the rat race, in the need for power, dominance, superiority, power, when we forget that we already have everything we need, life isn't simple. So we have to remember the simplicity in our lives. And compassion for when we do make mistakes, for when we do have to have a do-over or a try again, and we have to allow someone else that same consideration. We need to have compassion so that we may heal ourselves and in turn, heal the world. So how do we teach patience, simplicity, and compassion to our children? Well, we teach it by being it, by allowing them to have the experience of it. Children don't often do as we say, do they? But they're watching what we're doing. I'm always amazed at my own children and I see the accomplishments that they are having as adults and the recognition that they sometimes get for the things that they have done and the volunteer commitments that they have made. And I wonder, where'd that come from? I didn't see that in them when they were young, necessarily. But they were watching me. And they told me that. Our children are always watching what we're doing, so we need to be the very thing that we want for them. And when they experience it, they know it. And when they know it, that's what they practice and become. And so, what did Jesus say about family? Well, this is Ernest Holmes' take on Matthew chapter 12. It is related that while Jesus was talking, he was told that his mother and brethren waited to speak with him. But he, ans- but he answering said unto to him that told him, that's Bible talk, who is my mother and who are my brethren? He then told them that whoever does the will of God is his mother, sister, and brother. We are not, suppose, we are not to suppose by this that he did not care for his earthly parents or friends. Jesus was simply explaining that anyone who lives in harmony with the truth automatically becomes the brother, the sister, or the mother of all. This is a lesson in the brotherhood of man, Holmes says. God is the androgynous principle, the mother, father of all. Our earthly parents symbolize this heavenly parentage. Jesus was a consciously cosmic soul who recognized his unity with all. He knew that love must become universal before it can reach its maturity. Hence he said that all who live in harmony with the truth are brothers in it. And you know, science is starting to back this up more and more. All these spiritual principles that are written in all our sacred texts and that Ernest Holmes synthesized and pulled together in Science of Mind are now being shown in the world of science. And quantum science is just a wonderful thing. Looking, you know, there's always been this this search for the ultimate smallest particle that is the beginning of all things. A God particle. Something 
that we can see and then we could manipulate it and control it. Well, now, what are they finding? That when we get down to the smallest parcels of particle, that it's not a particle or matter at all, but a whirling energy, vortex. And what's really important is not so much that individual little thing, but the space between all of the individual little things. What's really important between you and I is not the fact that we have big families or small families or blended families or same color families or different color families. What's really important is the space between us and what we fill it with. It's our relationship, how we relate to one another that really makes or breaks us in this lifetime. And so we can fill that energy and have the ultimate relationship with each other in a spiritual sense simply by honoring and recognizing who we are, giving love, and recognizing that our only task on this earth is really to help each other, to help each other be the best we can be. Because when I'm doing that for you, you're doing it right back at me. And that's what makes the world go round. I was very dismayed this morning when I woke up to hear on the news that there's a belief that Iran has maybe the capability to produce nuclear weapons and that maybe the best way to deal with this situation was to get in there first and get them. Well, we've been through that scenario before. My mind immediately rushed to my coworker who sits in the same pod with me at work who is from Iran and, and the love that I have for her and the sacrifices that she has made to give her family a better life here in Canada. And I think about one of my favorite radio show hosts, Gian Gomeshi, on CBC, and, and the way he has uh, enlightened me, empowered me by the people he has so delicately and exquisitely interviewed on his program, the way he has expanded my understanding in so many realms, and I send out my love for his voice, because that's all I ever Here's his voice on the radio. And I just think of these people from Iran and I think, come on, let's get with the program. When are we going to start loving the people from Iran? And then we don't need to have this conversation about nuclear weapons. And so the call for you today is to embrace your, your family, yes, but to know that your family extends beyond your biologic nuclear family, that your family is all of us here and everyone out in the world. And we have at this very poignant point in our history the opportunity to give and be more of who we are for the betterment of others and ourselves. So that's how I'm going to celebrate Family Day. Thank you so much for joining me today. Namaste.